Good morning, everybody. Today, Bezat Hashem, we'll be learning Daf Lamed in Maseches Kiddushin, but we start eight lines up from the, uh, where the lines get wide on Chavtes Hamid Beis. We're talking about the mitzvah that the father has to do for his son. It is a mitzvah, an obligation. Lalamdo Torah, two dots, to teach his son Torah. So ask the Gemara, mean Nalan. Where do we know this? It is a mitzvah to teach his son Torah. Wow. We say in, right? In Kriyashma, we know we have to teach our sons Torah. Okay. Right? So, says the Gemara that when you, uh, his father doesn't teach him, you have to teach yourself. So, not only is it an obligation to teach your sons, but sons who are born untaught have to learn. There's a mitzvah to learn. So now, what our Mishnah had discussed was that these mitzvahs are unique. Fathers to sons. The mother doesn't have such a chiv. How do we know that she doesn't have a chiv? So now we're looking at the duktuk. We're playing with the words and we say, when it says, and you should learn, right? It implies, If you are commanded to learn Torah, then you're commanded to teach it. But it would not be a situation where you don't have to study yourself, but you have to teach it, that actually wouldn't even make any sense. How are you going to teach if you don't have a commandment to learn? It could be that you would, okay. Um, it's theoretically possible, but we learned that that's not the case. Only those who have a commandment to learn have a commandment to teach. Uh, there's a little Garanowitz, uh, like, uh, I guess you could say, uh, most of the moment in there in the sense that, right, you shouldn't, uh, you practice what you preach, put it that way. If you're not learning, you shouldn't be teaching. So how do we know that the women don't have the, right, chiv to learn themselves? So it says, and we know where this is going because it says b'neichem, but uh, Gemara is hiding the ball at this point. So at this point it says, So it goes and turns around and says that if you, uh, right, that anybody, that others have the obligation to teach you, you have to teach yourself, okay? So we're going almost in like an unnecessarily over-exaggerated stepwise here to say that the women are not, you're not commanded to teach them, and therefore that means that they're not commanded to learn, okay, right? And anyone who is not commanded for someone else to teach them are not commanded to teach themselves, okay? And, and then the final step, how do we know that there is no commandment to teach women? Right? That's the word. says the Gemara. Fine. So since we know that we're not commanded to teach women, that means they're not commanded to learn. And if they're not commanded to learn, they're not commanded to teach. And from there we see that uh, there's no uh, mitzvah for the mother to teach her son. Of course, we're going to learn Gemara's where, right, the, the men were out, uh, you know, Rabbi Kiva and, and on down, down, down the line, right, these men were out, the fathers are out in Yeshiva for 12 years, right, and the mother is the one that's teaching all, I mean, who's teaching the kids? Who's keeping Shabbos? Who's keeping Kashras? What's going on uh, while, the, while the, the fathers are away? So, I mean, the father eventually has to teach his sons at some point. But the point is, and this is what uh, my Rebbe Rav Shechter points out all the time, that the chiv that they have is, of course, 
maybe not the abstract, maybe not even Mishnah and Gemara, but obviously they have to know Halacha, they have to know Chumash, they have to know Tanakh, Sifra, Sifri, right? They have to know enough uh, to occupy an entire lifetime of study. It's just talking about, right, Mishnah and Gemara uh, for the most part. Or they'll we'll talk about the details of what the Chiv to learn is as well. Okay. So now it says the Gemara, Tanar Banu, Hulil Mod of Mod. Priorities. He only has enough money for one of them to learn. Him and his son. So who takes priority? Who called him live no? Right? Like an airplane, uh, when the air masks come down, you have to put it on yourself first. Rabbi Huda Omer, Im Benozar is Mimulach, diligent and bright, and able to retain information, Beno Kodmo. So basically, if his son is a better student, then his son should go first. So there's a, an interesting value here where the, the more right, diligent student goes first. Okay. Says the Gemara, Kihadar of Yaakov, Breder of Achav Yaakov. There's a case, right? The grandfather's name was Rav Yaakov, and then Ravacha was the son, and then he had another son, Yaakov. So his so Ravacha sends his son Yaakov to Abaye's yeshiva. He also he comes back from yeshiva, the son, and the father, Ravacha, sees that they do the daf kasher and they see that the kid uh, is a little bit like not holding, right? He doesn't nothing's nothing's going inside to his head. So Amrlay, so the father says to him, Ana Adifa Minach, better that I go to Yeshiva. You come and uh, man the store, do whatever, and I'll go to Yeshiva instead of you, since um, since you're not really chapping. Tuv at the Ezel Ana. You stay here, right? Shave, Tuv, right? Stay here and man the store, and I'll go to, to, to the base manager. Shama Abaye hears that Ravacha is coming, so you would say, wait a minute. And, and Abaye says, no, don't come. Every son has potential. Every neshama, you'll see, he'll sit and he'll be diligent and he'll be a gadol batara. No, he was excited. He was excited that Ravacha was coming. He said, oh, wow, Ravacha coming? Even better. We're going to use him to get rid of one of the shadim. Uh, you know that Abaye was, uh, you know, his wife got him a, uh, whatchamacallit, one of those... Uh, Therapy pets to get rid of the shadim in the bathroom in Masech in uh, Brachos. Remember that. So and Abaye's mother, saying, you know, they were they, they understood how to handle shadim. So Avu Mazik Bey Rabbanon happened to be there was a shade in the base medrash of Abaye. But now they know that Ravacha the big tzaddik is coming to learn. They're going to set it up so that Ravacha kills the shade. This shade was so powerful. Normally shadim get you when you're all by yourself. They're like the aliens. Aliens really only see when you're on your own without your cell phone in the middle of the night. But these shadim were so strong that they get you. This shade was able to get even two people at a time, right, in a crowd in broad daylight. Unbelievable shade. They have to get rid of this thing. It was so dangerous. People would walk up in pairs. Even in broad daylight, they would, they would torment them. So so Abayah says to the students, we're going to have a plan. Now that the big tzaddik Ravacha is coming, nobody let him stay at their house so that he has to sleep in the base marriage then he'll confront the shade he'll get rid of the shade right he said it in a weird lushan he said that it's possible that an ace will happen not really allowed to be so the farshim say uh, had to be that he was pretty confident about this anyway sure as a result of this uh, sure enough nobody let him stay in their house and he ended up going to the base marriage he ended up going to and of course, he looked like a seven-headed serpent. Kol kriya dechara, the shade did, and so Ravacha, every bow that he did, um, with every bow, he would knock off uh, one of the heads of the shade. Boop. Nasr chad 
Uh, a head would fall off for every bow. Okay, so he kills the shame. Very good. So the next day, Ravacha says to Abaye, You know, you could have gotten me killed out there. All right, but he didn't. He killed the shade. Very good. So now says the Gemara, Priorities. What should you do first? Learn or get married? So, says the Brysa, first, first get married, then get, first, I'm sorry, learn Torah, and then get married. But it's case dependent. If you can't concentrate unless you're married, you say, So what are you going to do? First get married and then learn Torah. Rabbi Shmuel says, no, the Allah first get married and then learn Torah. Rabbi Yochanan, Amar, Rechaim Betzavarovi, Yasuk Betorah, Rabbi Yochanan, the great God, so Shmuel had like Surah and Pupadisa, he was in Babel. Rabbi Yochanan was a great God in Eretz Israel, and he says, what, Rechaim Betzavarovi, the ball and chain is nagging you, Vyasuk Betorah, and you're going to learn Torah? Chas Shalom. In other words, obviously, first learn, and then you'll get married, and you'll deal with the obligations of marriage. Low polygesis. And God says, no, this is, right, culturally uh, dependent. It's not uh, fundamental machlokas. It has to do with what's going to enable you to learn. Halan v'halahu. Shmuel was in Bavel, and Rabbi Yochan was in Eretz Yisrael. And those are two cultures, and depending on the culture, right, that's what you're going to do. It says with Rashi. Halan v'halahu. Rashi says, B'nei Bavel, Yochan, V'gorsam, Mishnai, Satanayim, Eretz Yisrael. Right? The, the Americans are in Ramad Ashkol, Right? Right, and if they're not in Fiji or in the Maldives, so they're having iced coffee at Greens, whatever. They don't have any obligations, so therefore, no seisha to have a blow here. So get married. What's the difference? You don't have any any responsibilities, so you get married. You don't have no hear her, and you're living the life over there, as opposed to says Rashi. Yeah, if they get married. So they have to go to work and start tutoring kids. So they're better off waiting to get married. They stay in the basic marriage. So, but what we see is that it's culturally dependent, right? You're not going to find uh, uh, somebody, uh, a rav, who's going to tell you, you know, halacha based on this, that you have to do one or the other, right, as an obligation, because it's case dependent. That's, that's really what you're saying, right? That, that, that it all depends on what's going to enable you to concentrate better, apparently. Okay, fine. Okay, so now a story. So if Chista was saying to Rav Huna that there's this big tzaddik Rav Hamnuna. Okay, we saw Rav Hamnuna recently. So Amalei, so Rav Huna said to Rav Chista, You know what? If Rav Hamnuna, remember, I think this was the story where, where Rav Chista was the Rav and Rav Hamnuna was like the Meshiv. Remember that? And he was answering the question, the weird question that was just a few days ago. Okay. So he said, okay, when Rav Nuna come, I want, I want to see him. So Kiyasa, so Rav Nuna comes, Chazi Dulepar is Sujo. He's not wearing a yarmulke. <laughs> it's not clear. Is this a yarmulke or is just something like he's not wearing a talus over his head? Okay. Some sort of head covering is missing. So Amr my time with the priest of Sujo, he says, what are you doing? Why aren't you wearing this yarmulke? So Amr so Rav Nuna says to him, because I'm not married, right? Obviously, this is referring to some sort of practice that they had when they were married. They would start covering their head with a hat, maybe. Okay. So Hadrinu la peimine. So Ravuna heard this. He turned his face away. He's disgusted. So let's say it's a yamaka. I don't think it is, but let's say that's what it is. So Amarlei chazidlo chazidlo ala ape adin savas. So the fact he's disgusted not because he's not wearing his yamaka. He's disgusted because he's not married. 
He says, don't, I don't want to see your face again until you get married. Right? That was, this is uh, obviously the, why this is relevant, right? Because we're talking about the mitzvah of getting married. So he says he doesn't want to see him, uh, or, or even if it's not the mitzvah, right? It's the fact that he, he thinks that he should get married uh, early. Say, so don't, don't look at me again until you get married. Right? So Rav Huna Latameh. And Rav Huna is consistent with his shita that everybody should get married. He says, if you're 20 years old and you haven't gotten married yet, you're living in sin. What do you mean, you're living in sin? You're doing Averis? Just because you're single? Says the Gemara. Yeah. It means that you have here a Hurim, and you're not supposed to live that way. You're supposed to be married early. Okay. So says the Gemara, the following price. Yeah, this was something that we learned already in the basement of Rishmael. Okay, so... You need to see after the Shemaya to avoid Hurevera. This is all Dafyomi coincidences because we are heading into Yom Hadin. And you need to see after the Shemaya. We ask Hashem to help us avoid Avera. So until 20 years old, Hashem's going to leave you alone. He's going to let you learn. And he's going to wait and he's going to say, Matai Yisha He says, When are you going to get married already? But once you get 20, Hashem's going to already, he's going to say, You know what? Omer Tipa Chatzmosav. At that point, he's going to say, let his bones swell and let the hormones go because you know what? I can't hold on off the hormones forever. So Kaddish Baruch Hu helps you until you're 20. When you're 20, um, you're on your own. Amar of Chista. Haida Adifna Mechavrai. And Rav Chista himself corroborated this by saying the reason why he became such a big gadol, more so even than his colleagues, didn't see Bishitzar. It's because he got married young when he was 16. I think they said Rav Shach got married when he was 16. Anyway. Viyavan Nesivna Be'ar, you know, Different times. V'hiyava nesiva be'ar beisar had I married at fourteen as we arrived at Lamed of Amina the Satan Girab Einech. I could have told the Satan get lost. Arrows in your eyes, Satan. Right? I'm fourteen. I'm already married. So, uh, so fine. So that that would. So obviously they were advocating getting married early. Right? So this was already. So is this an Eretz Yisrael? I'm saying like okay, case dependent. Now, Amalei Ravalar of Nasan Bar Ami Adi Yada Chatzavri Divreich. This is uh, re- this is uh, child raising advice. While you still have some authority over your children, mishit sarvat esim vitarti. When is that time? When 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 you do that, you should what? You should. That's a good time to to give musr. You know, right? There's always a question with child raising. When is a good time to give musr? Right? Sometimes they're too young uh, to accept it. Sometimes they're too old to accept it. So what's the what's the sweet spot? We should serve from sixteen to twenty-two, old enough to understand it and accept it, uh, and young enough to still listen to you. Okay, I don't know if that's still the the, the zone. Again, case specific. Some say from eighteen till twenty-four. Okay, so the Gemara says, you know what? We had a parallel a parallel machlokas ketanai machlokas time. Says Chanoch Lenar Al Pidarko, the famous pasuk in Mishle that my alma mater Hank uh, is. It's their right. It's their mantra. It says it on their symbol. That you have to teach everybody according to their way. And what's their way? Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Nechemah, Chadamar, Mishitzar, Vadesim, Vitartin. One says from sixteen to twenty-two. Vadesim, Varba. How do you like that? Eighteen to twenty-four. The same exact machlokas, right? So obviously, it does seem like a parallel machlokas uh, between. When is the proper age for most of the children? Fine. So now, the Gemara continues. How, how long does this obligation to teach your son Torah extend? 
Okay, so some of them Farshim say this is not the biblical uh, Zulun Bendan, like Rashi says that, but it's as if it was Zulun Bendan. Imagine Zulun Bendan where he had, where Zulun and Dun are obviously the Shvatim, but Zulun Bendan would mean that he, it's a father and a grandson, right? A grandfather and grandson. Shalim do Avi Aviv Mikra Mishnah Talmud Alachas Ve'agadas. Right? He taught, Zulun Bendan, his grandfather taught him Mikra Mishnah Talmud Halachas and Agadas taught him everything. So says the Gemara, Mesir, what do you mean? Limdo Mikra, Ein Malamda Mishnah. Right? If a father teaches his son Chumish, then he doesn't have to teach him Mishnah. But Amar Rava, Mikra Zutora. And Rava said, what do you mean by Chumish? That means only Torah, not even Tanakh, only Chumish. So, so what, is, what does all this mean? Right? So the, the question is like this, says the Gemara. Kizvulun ben Dan, below Kizvulun ben Dan. In other words, which is the obligation to teach your son, right? We said that Zulun bin Dan, his grandfather taught him everything. And the question is, what's the, what is the chiv? To teach him only Chumash and not to teach him Mishnah? Or maybe only to teach him Tanakh? But it seems that he taught him everything. So what is the actual obligation? So it says the Gemara, in some ways it's like Zulun bin Dan who taught him everything. In some ways it's not. Ki Zvulun bin Dan, Shalim do Avi Aviv. So it's like Zvulun bin Dan. Right when Rabbi Yudah Mishmuel said that the obligation to teach your son Torah is like Zulun bin Dan, as Rashi explains, it means that the obligation extends in terms of time. It extends to your children and your children's children. Always learning with your children and your grandchildren is an absolute uh, mitzvah, as Barry does. Barry learns with his children, with his grandchildren. Right? Barry has daughters. And that's right. Barry has daughters. And, but he has grandsons, and he has great-grandsons. And Barry, I think, what did you tell me? You taught your great-grandson his bar mitzvah something? No. But did you have a, did you have a bar mitzvah? Yeah? No. no I, He's not... I learned with my great-grandson once a week. Right, right, right. Barry was telling me that he learned something with his great-grandson. And, in fact, Barry learns with his great-grandson once a week. So, you see, the obligation of teaching is an unbelievable obligation that extends... Through the generations, right? So it's Kizvul and Ben Dan, Shalim do Avi Aviv. So it doesn't matter. Barry, do you, what do you learn with him? Chumash? So there you go, Parsha. So, Velo Kizvul and Ben Dan, De'ilu Hasam Mikra Mishnah, Vitamad Halachas Vagadas, Be'ilu Acha Mikra Levad. So it's exactly Barry over here, right? Because there in Zul and Ben Dan case, he taught him Mishnah, Talmud, maybe Bizocha to teach him Mikra, Mishnah, Talmud, Halachas Vagadas with your, with, with your great grandsons. But as far as the obligation itself, in terms of the obligation that Shemuel is describing, really the chiv chiv is what Barry is doing, which is to teach him chumish. Okay, very good. However, says the Gemara, is it really true that Barry has a chiv on his grandson? It says you should teach your sons. So where does it say grandsons? It says sons. However, there is another passage. It says, to your sons and your grandsons. So says the Gemara. So another way of saying it is when you teach your sons, really what you're doing is you're passing it over to the generations, to the Beno Man Beno. To the, to, to the, all the generations. Okay. So, so there is, uh, there it's trying to say that really the Chiv is on the son. But Shmuel said that really there's still a Chiv on the grandson. So the Gemara is saying like this, that they're, Tanaim, discuss this, who, the Amar Ki Tana, 
So Shmuel, who said that there is an actual mitzvah to teach your grandson, says, like the following b'risa, the Tanya teaches you that you're supposed to teach your children. You would have thought only your sons. How do you know that also your grandchildren? So they learn from, and you should teach your children and your grandchildren. So if it's true that from b'necha or b'nei b'necha, you learn that you have to teach your grandsons and there's an absolute obligation to do so. So then why would the Torah say B'nechem and leave out the grandchildren in the, right, in the Pasuk that we're, that we say in Shema? It says the Gemara, B'nechem B'nechem. That's just to exclude the absolute obligation to, to teach your daughters. So it's really to explain to Barry, learn with your grandsons and your great-grandsons. And you have a great mitzvah there. And again, we be to teach everyone. Okay. Now. There's a tremendous significance, Barry, to learning with your grandchildren. Amr of Yishub and Levi. The Pasuk says it's as if you received the Torah personally from Harsinai. Why? In that Pasuk, where it says you should teach your grandchildren, right? the very next Pasuk says what? Yom Asher Hashem the day that he stood in front of Hashem in Chorev, which is Harsinai. And so from the juxtaposition of those psukim, you see that teaching your grandchildren is like, is like giving them Torah at Harsinai itself. Amazing. Let's underscore this point with a story. He was wearing, he, he was, what, what's Sadei Rashi says, he was rushing out of the house. Normally he wore a hat. He normally wore a black hat. But he was in such a rush that he that he just grabbed whatever was in like the uh, mudroom and ended up taking his like uh, his Yankee ha- baseball cap and put it on his head and he walks into the base mesh with a Yankee hat. This is ridiculous. And he's bringing his grandchild to the to the cheder, and they see right. Rabbi Shubin Levi is walking into cheder with his grandson wearing a baseball cap. Amalei, Rabbi Rabbi says to him, "Michael, what, what, what are you wearing? What's going on? Is this Purim?" So Armelay, he says to him, Mizutar my dichsiv. Is it a small thing? In other words, he's saying, why were you such a rush? You couldn't take an extra five minutes to find your black hat to come to Cheder? He says, is it a small thing to say, In other words, right? Rabbi Shub and Levi was so excited to bring his grandson to Cheder that he was in such a rush to fulfill this mitzvah. Because of the juxtaposition of the sukim, it was like he felt like he was running to Harsinai. He didn't have time to go wait for to find his black hat. He grabbed whatever was in the mudroom and put it on his head and ran to the base medish with his grandson. That's how, that's how eager he was to fulfill this beautiful mitzvah. was so inspired by this behavior that from that day on, he would never taste umtza in the morning, which was this like sort of fake and bacon type of uh, dish that they used to eat in those days, but he would never eat it until he had learned with his grandson uh, what he had learned the day before. And Chazer shared with him um, an additional pasuk as well, umosfe, right? An additional pasuk as well. So he always made sure to learn with his grandson and he made such a priority that he did that before breakfast every day, right? So that's how... Chashev, learning with your grandchildren really is. Uh, and similarly, Rabbi Baravuna, lo time umsa And again, Rabbi Baravuna had, had a, a, a similar uh, minog, not to have breakfast in the morning until he had taught 
his grandchild and brought him to, uh, did the carpool, right? Brought him to the base medish, okay? Now, regarding the mitzvah of Talmud Torah, Amr of Safram Shem Roshu ben Chanania, ma'idach levishinantem levanecha. What does it mean vishinantem levanecha? We, we understand you have to teach your children, but what's vishinantem? Altikiri vishinantem ela vishilashtem. No, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that you should brush their teeth like Shane. It means you, you should divide it into thirds. A person is supposed to look at like, like this. Take all of your days of your life. And learn a third of the time Chumish, third of the time Mishnah, third of the time Gemara. Ask the Gemara. Yeah, in order to do this math, you have to know how much time you're dealing with in order to divide it into thirds. So who, who, who amongst us knows how long they're going to live? So says the Gemara, no. What you're going to do is, no, take every day, right? It means every day, learn a third of it, right? Tanakh, a third of it, Mishnah, and a third of it, right, Gemara. We look at the Rambam and you see how he breaks down, how you're supposed to break up your day. But everything's very case specific, so ask, better ask Rabbi Rose. Now, that's why, right, the early Chachamim were called Sofrim. You see, you would think because of the word Sefer. No, it doesn't mean that. It's because they were counting. It means accountants, right? Why? Because they used to count all the letters in the Torah. Shayu Omrim, because they used to say that the Vav of the Gachon, right, you have to look at the word Gachon in Vayikra, which is like the middle of the says right you're not supposed to eat right right you're not supposed to eat buggies so that vav in the word gachon is that's the halfway point in letters darosh darash famously as we know if you're counting up the words of the torah darosh darash is in between them is the midpoint of the chumash in words behis galach is shel psukim it's the halfway point of psukim in the torah Yechar misena chazir miyar, right? And in the pasuk where it says yechar semena chazir miyar, right, is the ayin diyar chesin shel tehillim. That's in the pasuk in tehillim. So you have the midpoint of chumash and you have the midpoint of tehillim. Interesting that they point out one of the right svarim in Tanakh is tehillim, and compared to chumash, the ayin in yar is tehillim. is psukim. Is the halfway point of the psukim of tehillim. And we're going to see, right, the, uh, the way that they counted these psukim uh, as we, we were going to continue in after, the, uh, after davening. So right now we're going to say slichos, and then we're going to continue bezat Hashem right after davening. Okay, so continuing nine lines up from the bottom of Lamed Amad Aleph. So Bayi Rav Yosef, we said that the va, so vehit kalach, Right, it's the pasuk that's the midpoint of the Torah in psukim. So that particular word, he asks. Oh no, no, I'm sorry. By Rabbi Yosef, vav de gachon in the letters, um, nine lines up, right? Nine lines up. Yeah. So let me just see one second. Yeah, by Rabbi Yosef, vav de gachon, right? Okay. So that is in terms of letters. So there's a vav right in the middle of a gachon. We're not supposed to eat shkatsim. And the question is, if it's the midpoint of the Torah, is it part of the first part or part of the second half? The first half of the second half. Now, Barry, if it's an odd number of letters, so then it could be the midpoint. 
And if it's an even number of letters, then it's obvious whether it's part of the first half or the second half, because it just depends on whether it's part of the first half or the second half. So the only thing that makes sense is if there's an odd number of letters, and then it's the middle. And then you say it's the middle letter. Why does it have to even be part of the halves? I don't even understand what this question is. But be that as it may, some of the Achronim uh, discussed it, but, but the question, they said to him, the, the, the answer maybe is more important than the question. The answer here is, what do you mean? Let's take out a Sefer Torah and start counting. Didn't Rabbi Barachana once say in a different context when they had a question, let's just open the Torah scroll and start counting? And we called them Sofrim. Sofrim was supposed to mean that they knew it already, I thought. Okay, maybe it means they keep counting. You keep counting it. Okay, so Amalou, Yeah, the thing is, they, when you're talking about Rabbi Barachana, and those people counted, they understood, right, as we know, a lot of times the Pesukim are written Chaser, sometimes written Malay, sometimes you have the Yud in there and Oi, and sometimes it's just O, and sometimes you have Vavs and, and not. So without the knowledge of the exact where the Chaseris and the Aseris should be, so then you're really never going to have an actual accurate accounting of the letters and sort of it's a futile exercise altogether, okay? So therefore, he says, Anon Lobakinan, since we do not know, okay, so what does that mean? That our Sifrei Torah look different? That, because we don't know? Well, the, apparently the tradition, verifying exactly whether it's Chaser or Malay, he felt that they were not Bikin in it, and therefore to figure out exactly which letter is the, is the exact midpoint is, uh, is an exercise in futility because it, uh, it implies that we know exactly which Letters actually present and which are not, and which we do not know. Okay, so to that, where I quite said before, by Kalach. Let's do with terms of words, um, right? So he says in terms of psukim, rather, right? So he says mihaigisa mihaigisa. Right, the very beginning of the pasuk Kalach is in the middle of the psukim. So again, is it the first or the last, the second part of half? So Okay, so. What our issue was with letters is should not be our issue with psukim, right? Because psukim, we know. Where does the pasuk start and where does the pasuk end? That we should know. That there should be a consensus on. So again, we don't know exactly what the question is. Is there an even or an odd number of psukim? And what does it mean in the beginning or the end? But the answer is interesting. Says the Gemara, amazingly, Rabbi Yosef answers, B'psukim nami lo We also don't know how many psukim there are in the Torah. What does that mean? Are there some Sifrei Torah that are missing psukim? Sure enough, right when he came to Babel from Eretz Yisrael, there was a certain pasuk, right? And the pasuk in Eretz Yisrael they used to divide it in Eretz Yisrael they used to they used to divide it into three psukim. What was the pasuk? It Hashem said to Moshe Rabbeinu, "I'm going to come to you in the thickness of a cloud." Okay. Really, the full pasuk says. Then after that, he gets to Bavel, and it's all one pasuk. But really, in Eretz Yisrael, they at each right clause they broke it up. So you know, like where is the break? Hashem doesn't tell you where the pasuk starts and ends. It's just like one continuous thing. So. We have to break it up, and we don't necessarily have a consistent Mesorah as to where it's broken up either, right? We, we can't, this is hard for us to, to process, but the point is that even Psukim, we don't know exactly how many there are. By the way, where would you guess there are more Psukim? In Tehillim or in 
Chamisha Chum Shatara, Andrew. You doesn't you don't know, right? It's hard to know. Would you think that it's even close? You would, there are people who finish Sefer Tehillim every day. You would assume the Torah has more. So let's see. Tana Rabbanan. Chamesh Salafim, Mishmonish, Meos, Shmonim, Mishmon, Psukim, Psuke, Sefer Torah. So a Sefer Torah has 5,888 Psukim. Yosef, I love And Tehillim has eight more Psukim than the Chamesh. I thought I was shocked by that as well. My son Zami says it's because the Psukim and Tehillim are much shorter. Okay. So you can astound your friends and tell them there's eight more Psukim and Tehillim than in the Chamesh. And eight less psukim in Divya Yamim than in the Chumash. Okay, very good. Now, how well do you have to know this Torah? Tanarabanam is Shinantam, right? So we said that's not a dental idea. It's Shiyu Divya Torah, Mechudadim Beficha. But it does have some, right, intraoral application, right? It means that it's supposed to be in your mouth, right, like your teeth are, right, very sharp. You should be ready and waiting with an answer. Shiyim Mishalcha Adam Davar. If somebody asks you a question, Barry, Altagam gave it to Marla. Don't like start stammering and saying, I don't know, this is this. Affirmative, right? Because you've so well versed, so well practiced that it's at the tip of your tongue, as we say. Shanamar, as it says, as we turn to Lamadim Bez, and Marla Chachma Achosiat. Right. So this Pasuk is telling you, right? Right? We're talking about Chachma. Should be like your friend. This is Mishlei, right? You're supposed to Omer Kisharem Secha right? So the wisdom should be like your your sister, and you should tie it on your fingers, inscribe them in your heart, right? This is Mishlei telling you that these psukim are supposed to be right a part of you, as it were. Okay. The Omer, and furthermore, this is psukim into Hillam now. That show you how sharp you used to be with the psukim. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are children of youth, in the sense that what? That you sharpen them and sharpen them and sharpen them over and over again. But Omer, Gibor Shinunim. Sharp arrows of a warrior. Right? Shinunim, right? So here you're seeing these words together where it's really just sharpening, learning over and over again until you're sharp. Again, the arrows are sharp, nations fall from you. The Omer, in this case, doesn't mean ashpa like your dumpster. It means his quiver. You fill your quiver with the arrows. And they're not going to be ashamed when they speak with their enemies in the gate. Right? All of these are obviously allusions to the idea of having a sharp command of Torah. Right? And you learn right, when you're young. And a man who teaches such stu- uh, students like that Right, and the idea of being sharp and commanding Torah language of outstanding quality is going to actually going to save you, so to speak, uh, from the oivim. Who are the oivim? Who are the enemies? Asks the Gemara. Mai is the oivim b'shar. Who are the enemies? Amar b'chiyav Abba afilo av uvno harav etalmidish oskem b'tar b'shar echad. So he's saying what? B'chiyav Abba. It's the father and the Rebbe and the Talmud. How are they? How are they enemies? Says the Gemar, Nasim Oivim Zed Zeh, that when they're learning in the base Medish, you hear a tumult. Somebody says one thing, and, and, and Barry says, Didn't you see? It's supposed to be a different thing. And then Andrew gets angry, in a, in, uh, sort of, so to speak, angry, not really angry, because really when they are trying to get the Emma shot, they're taking no prisoners, right? 
they are actually fighting it out to get to the Emmas. But nobody gets out of there until everybody makes up. Say so you try to get the shot, and then nobody move until you actually become so. It's a it's an amazing dynamic where you are standing your ground. Uh, my son Nachi says that this that his Rebbe in um, his Rebbe this year in Taras Moshe is like this. Rabbi Abramowitz Shlita that a Talmud says an idea and he does not any any he has no business being nice to him about the pshat right when it comes to the pshat he's all business. And then afterwards, he's nice to the Talmud because he wants to show them this idea of, you know, the importance of getting the Pshat correctly. Shanamar, it says, as Vahev Besufa. It says, it's right, so it's old school, uh, uh, legendary Rebbe over there. What's this Vahev Besufa? It'll be taught in, it is the, the full Pasuk says, in the book of, right, God's Wars, Vahev Besufa, that he gave it the Yamsuf, okay? So Al Kenya Marba Sefer Muhammad Hashem as Vahev Besufa. Besanachalim are known. We play the game. Where is this? It's in Sefer Midmar, actually. So, anyways, it says Vahev what what does Vahev have to do with Yamsuf? Altikri Besufa. Don't say Yamsuf Ella Besofa in the end. So you see Vahev is like Ahava, love. Besufa is in literally means Yamsuf, but in homiletically it means at the end. That it should be love at the end. At the end, there should always be ending with love, even though you're fighting initially for shot like enemies, so to speak. Okay, so that is Torah. Now, Tanura Banan, Visamtem. When it says Visamtem, right, Alav Avecha, you're supposed to put the word uh, the Torah in your heart, but you could also break up the word Samtem homiletically into Samtam, a perfect elixir. Nishmul Torah Kesam Chaim. The Torah is compared to the elixir of life. And the following right analogy. You have a man, let's say, hits his son with a big right a blow. And then he presses a right a healing compress on his wound. And he says to him, So now he's giving him instructions. So long as you have this Right, compress on your wound. You could eat what you want, drink what you want, and you could bathe in either cold or hot water. Right, and you don't have to worry that you're going to be right. You're going to get sick from this wound. But if you move, remove the compress, then surely it's going to get worse, and the wound will fester into boils. So that is the analogy. Is a Kaddish Baruch who gives us uh, the Yitzhahara. And he gives us the Torah, which is like the bandage to the wound. And we're supposed to keep that on the wound. We're not supposed to take it off and, God, and God forbid, detach from the Torah, because that's what it, our elixir of life is, as the Gemara says. Kashmaku says to us, Banai, my children, Barasi Yetzahara, Barasi Torah Tavlin. I created the Yetzahara, and the Torah is the antidote. You will not fall into the hands of the Yetzahara. If you correct yourself, you'll prevail. But if you don't follow the Torah, you will fall to the Yetzirah. Right? This is all with the Avera of Cain and Sefer Bracious, right? Where Hashem explaining to him that what? The, the sin rests at the door. And the Yetzahara is always concerned with you. Don't think the Yetzahara isn't thinking about you all the time. You can't say, oh, now I'm safe. Right? I turned around the corner, he passed by, and now I'm safe. No, he's always looking for you. If you want, however. So it keeps going back and forth, right? This dynamic. 
that if you want, you could always prevail over the Yitzhar. But you have to fight him. You've got to realize that he's there. You've got to re- realize that. So you look at the, what Hashem is telling Cain, and he's telling him, the Yitzhar is always going to look for you. You have to face it and face reality, but you also can prevail if that's your battle plan. And we know that the Yitzhar is bad because even Hashem, all the creations of Hashem are good, but even Hashem calls the Yitzhar bad. In the same, right? In all those psukim, he says that when Hashem saw, right, um, right when Hashem saw uh, in, in Sefer Bracious uh, what was going on down, down below, so to speak, he saw that, that the inclination of right, human beings sometimes is, is evil all the way from the beginning. Okay, now, every day the Yitzhar renews himself. Right in the Pesukim it says it's only bad all day, meaning to say every day it's like a, a new fight with the Yitzhar. Every day the Yitzhar of man is trying to bring him down. Right, he's particularly looking for tzaddikim. The Russia, which is the Yitzhar, right, he's watching out for tzaddikim looking to bring them down. And without Siata Deshmaya, without Hashem helping you, you can't prevail. This is already a puzzle to heal him. Hashem won't let him leave him in his hand. He won't leave him uh, without some protection. So a human being has to ask for Siata Deshmaya, right? I feel me coincidence as we enter the Yom Adin in fighting the evil inclination. What's a good strategy to fight the Yitzhar? Tanar the very Shmael as follows. Bni. If this disgusting degenerate, otherwise known as the Yitzhahara, uh, is trying to get to you, engages you, bring him into the base medish. And it works like a charm. If he's like a stone, he'll be pulverized. If he's like iron, he's going to shatter. Right? Because Right? My words, right, meaning the Torah, are like a fire or like a hammer, right? That's going to pulverize stone and shatter rock. Okay? Um, so if it's a stone, it'll dissolve. It's is a pasuk in Eov. That you'll see, if you're thirsty, go to the waters, right? Water is Torah, and the water dissolves stone, right? And there's songs about this. The point is, the Torah is the antidote, and that is what it protects you. May we zochah to learn Torah and be protected from the eight Sahara and the tzaddikim. Seven lines up, uh, two dots from the wide, and we go. No, seven lines up from the bottom over here, I think. Two, no, from the wide, two dots. Lasia isha. So now we're talking about marrying a wife. Okay. Before we said, by the way, okay. Lasia isha, minolan says Yirmiyo. How do you know that a father has to marry off his? Son, it says, go take the women for your, right, for your sons and your daughters you should give to people. I can understand. You, are, you can always marry off your son, right? He has a pile of resumes on his desk. So you could just say to your son, hey, take the resume, go marry somebody. But really, daughters, do you have a choice? Are you getting any calls? Are you getting any resumes, any calls from the Shadchan? So how are you supposed to marry her off? That's like Siat HaDashmaya. The men are the ones that are in the driver's seat. So Gemara says, Yeah, give her a lot of money, clothe her and be decker and make her for pits. This way she'll be pretty and rich. And that's what you have to do in order to have the men... 
seek her out. Good. Next, the lambda umnus. You have to teach your son a craft. Minolan. How do we know they have to teach a son a parnasa? How to make a parnasa? Fascinating. The pasuk in the ninth parak of Kohelis says you're supposed to live life with the woman that you love. In Ishamamashi, does it mean a woman? Yeah, so in other words, you're supposed to, Chaim means to make a living, so to speak. So you're supposed to make a living with your wife. In other words, just like you're Chaim to, to marry off your son, you also have to teach him a Parnasa. In other words, Chaim and wife, you're supposed to get married, and you're supposed to also make a living. Or Im Torahi, and, and when it says, right, Torah, so if woman... Here, Isha. If Isha means woman, it's woman. In Torah, if Isha means Torah, so then it also fits. In other words, also, if you're going to go learn Torah, you're going to have to also get a job. So in other words, teach your son to get a job. By the way, I, I made it sound like only if you get go to school, then you have an honest, parnasa, honest living. Not necessarily. The people who go to school and also aren't honest. You have to teach him how to make an honest living, whether he's going to be married or whether he's going to learn Torah, you have to make an honest living and also learn Torah. First wide line. You have to teach him how to swim. My timer. Why do you have to teach him how to swim? Because that could save his life. And then in the end, the Brisa concluded by saying, if you don't teach your son a Parnassa, you're going to teach him how to be a bandit. So now it's cut and paste from what we said before. You're going to teach him how to be a bandit? It's as if you're teaching him to be a bandit. What's the difference between teaching bandit and not? And, and as if you're teaching him to be a bandit? Yeah. In other words, here's the difference. One, of the, one way is you're supporting him. So if you don't support him and he has no money at all, he'll mamish become a bandit because that's the only way he'll get money. But if you teach him how to support himself, so then he's not going to be, uh, then he's also going to uh, be able to even support himself, and then he's not going to have to be bad. It's going to be ki'ilu. In other words, right? If you give him money, then all you do is give money. It'll still be ki'ilu nasnalistos because he'll have no way of supporting himself going forward. So he has to teach him how to make money for his own self, according to the uh, second opinion that it's ki'ilu. So now we're in the second wide line, right? And, and we say, Michael Mitzvah Alabain. Like this, says the Gemara. This is getting into the issue of kibud avaim. So for that, nashim chayavos. If you're going to say that it means things the father has to perform for his son, so bitmi nashim chayavos. We already said that that's only on the father. Those mitzvahs that we just discussed until now were father to the son. We said that all those things that we mentioned, doing the bris mila, doing the pidyon aben, that's only the father, not the mother. So I'm reviewing. When it comes to kibud avaim, that is incumbent both on the sons and the daughters. So we say ish ish. The point of the mishnah is you would have thought ish imo daviv tiro means only man. It says tiro it means two. Okay, so we're going to start Slichos over here in the second minion. And so we'll resume tomorrow uh, around eight lines up from the bottom of Lamed Amad Bez.